0: Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 22. John chapter 3 and verse 22. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans actually talks about the fact that he wishes that he himself could be accursed for the sake of his brothers, the Jewish people, so that they could be saved. In other words, he says, I wish... If I could see my Jewish countrymen come to Christ, I would would be separated from Christ for their sake. So great was his heart for his brothers according to his his, uh, flesh. And so we also need to have a selfless attitude and a heart that wants to see people come to Christ. We need to have a a desire to see people enter an intimate, close fellowship with Jesus Christ. Uh, It's so easy to get off track in our priorities in the Christian life, isn't it? In trying to reach people. Uh, People can look at all different kinds of things in their life and their service. uh, But the ultimate thing, whether you are washing a dish or sweeping a floor or whatever you do... In the church of God, the ultimate purpose is to reach people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to see them drastically changed by his power. And if we drift into the background and Christ is exalted in the process, that's a good thing. Uh, So uh, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest man up until the kingdom of heaven was released on earth through Christ. He was the greatest man. That's something. Greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, greater than David. John the Baptist was a unique individual. And you see him here in the scripture. Jesus has gone uh, to do some baptizing in the region where John the Baptist was. And he was already baptizing and they're doing this message of repentance. Uh, but people are now leaving John's ministry to go to Jesus' ministry. And John's disciples don't like it too much. And some of them begin to get a little bit upset about it. And they go to John and they say, John, what's up with this? The man that you were testifying to, people are leaving you to go to him. And John says, he must become greater and I must become less. In other words, the whole purpose for John's ministry was to be a forerunner To Jesus Christ, to prepare the way, to make straight the way for Jesus Christ. John's purpose was to point people to Christ. And so when people started leaving his ministry to go to Jesus' ministry, his own ministry was the last thing on John's mind. He was rejoicing in the fact that people were going to Jesus. Sometimes when we get our priorities out of, out of whack, we begin to be more concerned with what people think of us or with our goals or our purposes. But ultimately, the great purpose of people meeting Jesus is what it's all about. And uh, we need to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we can live out these characteristics of a godly attitude. John demonstrated that marvelously. Uh, so look with me at... Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Enon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciple and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who is with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. John responded, no one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom." But the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. The characteristics of a godly attitude. What are these characteristics? I think you see several things here that God wants us to look at. First of all, we need to be focusing on Christ. Glory, focusing on Christ's glory. Look at verse 27. No one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. Did you know that anything you or I have, any talent that we have, any ability that we have, any service that we have, are all gifts of God's grace? And that we could not do one thing to honor God or to lift up Christ without God's gracious giving of the ability to do so. And so we need to be focused not on ourselves, but focused on Christ and His glory. John says, I said I'm not the Messiah. And then in verse 30 he says, He must increase. But I must decrease. What's that, what's that all about? We don't serve Christ for what we get out of it. Now, yes, there are rewards that God gives us and we're to look forward to those rewards. But ultimately our goal is not what we get out of it. The praise that we receive, the glory that we receive, the notoriety that we receive... None of that is the main point. The point of our service is that he, Jesus Christ, would increase and that we would decrease. You see, when God really does a work, nobody is talking about the servant. They're talking about what God's doing. And so, you know, my desire is to see God do such a great work here at South Clinton Baptist Church that nobody mentions the pastor Nobody mentions the people of South Clinton Baptist Church. They're mentioning what God is doing. Have you heard what God is doing at South Clinton Baptist Church? Some things only God can do. That's what I want. I want what God can do. Seeking Christ's glory. You remember John uh, and uh, Peter. Peter, James, and John. James and John were arguing with the others. Who's going to be the greatest? Who gets to sit at your right hand and your left, Lord? And their mother actually comes and makes the request. You know when mama gets on it, it's serious business, right? Uh, And so uh, Jesus says, hey, are you able to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? In other words, you are able to suffer like I suffer. We are. He says, well, you will. You will. But that place of privilege is reserved for those to whom God has prepared it for. And so we're not to be seeking to have position, to be seeking to have glory, to be seeking to build our own kingdoms. Sometimes people say, well, I believe this is God's will and it's code for this is my will. And, and not that I say we should, we should seek God's will, but, but sometimes people are about building their own kingdoms. And so you might have this person trying to build this kingdom and this person trying to build this kingdom. And what happens? Conflict in the church. Why? Because two different people are trying to build their kingdoms. When we are trying to build God's kingdom, the focus is on Jesus Christ and what he wants to have accomplished. There was a lady in in California, she was a Presbyterian lady, and uh, she's had an influence on many of the leaders of the 20th century and and, uh, into this century. One of the main people that she had an influence on was a man that you might have heard of. His name is Billy Graham. But when I heard Elmer Towns tell the story about this woman, uh, I can't even remember her name. And yet, she has influenced many of these great leaders around the country of the United States for Christ. She's in the background. And yet, Billy Graham and and many others have attributed what she contributed to their life, have said that she made a profound difference in their lives. Yet, she's in the background. Nobody much knows her name. A lot of people know Billy Graham's name. Did you know, I believe she's had a great role in advancing the kingdom of God. So Paul, in his one of his letters, said that uh, the body is made up of many members. But that the, the members that receive the, the least amount of glory oftentimes are the ones that are the most important. That mother that teaches her child the word of God. that that father that prays for his children, that faithful saint that lifts up other people to Christ in the body of Christ, those who do work in the background so that the, the wheels of the church can go forward. And they do these things that are necessary for the cause of Christ to progress. Listen, I want to tell you something. Every single person is important in the kingdom of God. But it's not about What people see in us, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about bringing glory to Him. John the Baptist faded into the background. And the rest of the Gospels you read about Jesus. And I think John shows up one more time for a brief little stint. And he's coming to question Jesus if He's really the one that they should be expecting. But... John fades in the background, and Jesus is what's talked about the rest of the time. But can I tell you something? God knew that John's role was important. And God knew that without John, the work of the gospel would not have happened with the effectiveness that it did. God had a purpose for John, and God has a purpose for you to fulfill in this church, in this community. But... The key is to be obedient to God in what God has created you to do. What has God fashioned you to do, gifted you to do? What has God led you to do? When God puts a burden upon your heart to minister to someone, you minister to them. When God puts a burden on your heart to do something for him, you do it. And as you do it, you do it for the glory of God. So that Jesus Christ can be honored. You know, one of the interesting things that happens in heaven, everybody will have the right kind of attitude in heaven. You know why I know it? Because the Bible says in heaven, we all cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. That's the attitude of a godly person that wants to bring glory to Jesus Christ. So, characteristics of a godly attitude. First of all, focusing on Christ's glory. And ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can live with that motive. Listen, I want to tell you something. All of us struggle with wrong motives sometimes. All of us deal with these things. And so you need the Holy Spirit of God to live through you so that you can live a life that is focused upon Jesus Christ and His glory. So what are those characteristics of a godly life? First of all, focusing on Christ's glory. Secondly, anticipating Christ's presence. Uh, The scripture says... In verse 29, he who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. He, I want to want you to focus in on the word stands by and listens for him. Now in Jewish weddings what would take place is the bridegroom would go off and he would prepare the place, for him and his future bride to be. And then he would come back with a procession uh, to the wedding ceremony and they would be waiting in expectancy for the groom to come. It's a very exciting thing, you know. And uh, But the, but the uh, best man who was kind of in charge of all the wedding uh, would be waiting for the groom to come. And this sense of anticipation is there. John was waiting for Jesus to come. Ever since the time he was in his mother's womb, we were told in the book of Luke that the first time that Elizabeth and Mary uh, met, and they were both pregnant, that John leapt in his mother's womb. And then Elizabeth began to prophesy and say, Look, Listen, uh, how blessed I am to be in the presence of the mother of my Lord and of my Savior. Um, and so John, excited, leapt for joy. In his mother's womb, and that's never that's never departed. He has his sense of anticipation. the The longing of John's heart was that people could be introduced to Jesus Christ, and there was an anticipation of Jesus Christ coming in a powerful way. And so, John John uses this illustration because it's the it's, it's his heart. He wants people to meet Jesus, and so now they're going to meet Jesus. And John is ecstatic. He is excited because he has been anticipating the presence of Jesus. I want you to know that God wants us to anticipate his presence. And not just in the sake of the thought of his coming again, which Jesus one day will come again and we're to anticipate that. But he wants us to anticipate his presence now. He wants us to anticipate... His coming in a powerful way not just in our lives but in the lives of the people of our church that we're leaning forward and we're anticipating meeting him we're praying that we can meet him when jesus comes everything changes john wesley was a was a uh, pastor his mother, raised by a godly mother and a godly family went to a a uh, seminary but something just wasn't right ministry wasn't going well so he decided i'm going to go over to the american colonies and i'm going to try to minister in the american colonies and and boy he he uh he told one woman she couldn't come back uh, to church because of some sin in her life and but the church got mad at him and and he left he got out of dodge and uh He was going back to England, and he was he was discouraged, and he was kind of despondent, Just felt I've failed in ministry. And there came this storm, and he noticed that these Moravians on board were the only ones who weren't worried. They were singing songs of praise to God, and they had this joy, and it was something that he'd not seen. And he began to ask them about it, and and uh, they they told him about their relationship with the Lord, and. And so John Wesley then, with that seed planted, goes on to England. And he hears somebody reading the the prologue to Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. And he says, my heart was strangely warmed. He put his faith in Jesus at that moment. And God changed John Wesley. And John Wesley went from being a failure in ministry and a lost pastor There are lost pastors. Anyway, he went from that to being one of the world's most effective evangelists and being part of Great Awakening. Isn't it wonderful what God can do when he shows up? We need to anticipate his presence. You say, well, I'm already saved. Well, I understand that. Some of you are saved already. You still need to anticipate his presence. I love that scripture verse that says we are being changed from glory to glory. And that's what God's desire is for us. Not that we get saved and then our, our experience of God is, is we've reached the zenith of salvation. No, God wants us to progress in our relationship with him. To go from glory to glory anticipating his presence. Do you expect to meet with God when you have your time with God or do you... Just go through the motions in a rut. Ask God to show you what's in your heart that might be standing between you and sweet fellowship with him. Maybe it's bitterness toward another person. Maybe it's a sin in your life that you've not confessed and repented of. And and so God says, listen, I want you to deal with this thing so that you and I can enter into sweet fellowship." If God were to point something out in your life, do you anticipate, do you desire the presence of God enough to repent of that sin in your life? Before I was saved, I, I had heard a message of unrepentance and I knew that I needed to repent. But I began to struggle because you always have the enemy kind of putting of these thoughts in your mind. Well, God wants to take away all your fun. God wants you to stop doing the things you want to do. And you have this thought in your mind that if I sell out to Jesus, if I surrender to him, all the good things in life are going to be over. That's the the lie of the devil. The reverse is true. When you surrender your life to Christ, that's when life begins. And so some of you may be struggling with that. Can I encourage you? To anticipate the presence of God in your life and be willing to surrender who you are. Your wills, your goals, your purpose for his purpose. To surrender what what sin you've been treasuring. To surrender what people think of you so that you can follow Christ. We need to be anticipating his presence. When the presence of God comes, things genuinely change. We can schedule revival meetings, but we can't schedule a true move of revival that comes from God's hand. When that takes place, the bar is shut down. The houses of ill repute have no business shut down. Matter of fact, some of the great awakenings that took place, all the businesses shut down because everybody was so under the power of the Holy Spirit that they were all crying out to God in prayer and meeting with God and, and nobody cared about anything else. Such a burning desire was in their heart. Such a, a longing for the presence of God. They were anticipating His presence. But when God shows up, sometimes He does things differently than we would do them. Sometimes He might change how we do something, or he might change um, who does something. And sometimes we don't want to change. And so we we resist the coming of God, but we need to anticipate. I had a friend named uh, Mike Fortenberry in Texas, and um, he was telling me about how one day in his church they were having worship time. And the presence of God just fell upon the service, and people without being asked to come forward began to come to the altar weeping and broken and before long they had a full altar and it came time to preach and he he said you know he said God was working I wasn't going to stand in the way and say okay get up and go to your seats I'm going to preach he said he said I'm just not going to preach and so he he went to the microphone and he said God is at work here we're going to let God do what he wants to do and I'm not going to preach you just come and do business with God here at the altar and uh, the service actually went over with people that were getting right with God at the altar. But you see, we've got to be willing to set aside our preference, our schedule, our way, so that God can come do his thing. What if John had said, You know what? I'm just resentful of Jesus. I I can't believe after I've promoted him, now he has taken the people that I have worked so hard to get as a following. And John began to poison the minds of the people. That he ministered to. What what a different situation that would have been. Possibly some of those people would have gone to hell. Because of John's own ego. But that's not what John did. He said I must become less. He must become greater. You see when our focus is on Jesus Christ. It's all about him. And if I fall into the background and he is glorified and his work is done and people are saved and people are changed and people are entering intimacy with Jesus Christ, that's okay. It's okay if I don't get to preach. Or if something different happens. We need to have an anticipation for the presence of God. David said, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Do you have a longing in your heart for God's presence? Um, In the the book of Revelation, the scripture tells us that God told the church at Ephesus that they had all these things done right. They were great doctrinally, They they were great ministries that they were doing, and all of these things were going so well. But Jesus said, I I have this against you. You have lost your first love. And if you don't repent, I'm going to take your candlestick away. As I look across America and and I hear of all of the, the different churches that are closing, I can't help but think of that remark. You have left your first love. There's no longer an anticipation for the presence, the manifest presence. Of God among his people. Ask God to give you a heart that longs after him, a heart that anticipates his presence, a heart that rejoices when he shows up, even if it means that I am pushed into the background in people's eyes and perception. <clears throat> so that's a characteristic of a godly attitude. First of all, focusing on Christ's glory. Secondly, anticipating Christ's presence. Thirdly, rejoicing in Christ's relationship. Verse 29. Stands by and listens for him and he rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. This is really emphatic in the Greek. It's uh, literally rejoicing. I rejoice. It's. He's saying, I am so excited, I am stoked, I am pumped, I am thrilled that Jesus is having a relationship with his people, that we are hearing his voice, that he is moving and working. And if I drift in the background, that's okay. I'm just rejoicing in his presence. excuse me God wants us to delight in Him there's a scripture verse that says delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart God wants you to delight in His presence more than anything else and to delight in Him and His presence in other people's lives this is what John was seeing. this is the heart of ministry that people are meeting christ and growing in christ and doing the things that god wants them to do i'll confess to you there have been times when a person has left our church that i've struggled with it okay i'm just being real here but god god spoke to me this week as i was reading this passage and and the, the thought came to me, what if God has a, per, a purpose for that person outside your church? Am I going to have the opposite attitude of John the Baptist and say, how dare they go to that other church to be angry with them or, or have bad feelings toward them? No. We encourage people to seek God's will. When people tell me that, that they're going to leave, you know what I say? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Because if you've prayed about it and God has led you to, to go somewhere else, you better go. You better go. But if God said you need to be here, you better be here. But you see, this, this, this emotion sometimes that we feel we invest in something, right? Maybe it's in your workplace. Somebody that's valued leaves the workplace. And you're upset about it. But maybe Jesus has led them somewhere else. You see how that works? Sometimes we have, we have our idea. This is what I want. This is what I want to see accomplished. And we are so passionate about that that we forget it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. And so we rejoice in the relationship that people have with God. I believe God is at work in our church. I, I, I'm hearing some things, good things that are happening with our young people on Wednesday night. And, you know, I'm hearing some, some things that people's, people's, attitudes. we, uh, somebody was telling me the other day, uh, I've never heard somebody ask for another discipleship training in the last section, session of a different discipleship training, but we've been having Listen, I want you to know something. There's some good things happening at South Clinton Baptist Church. There are. And I'm excited about that. And ultimately, if, if God is doing his work and Jesus Christ is being glorified and people are being grown and the kingdom is being furthered, it's not about Roger's kingdom. It's not about our kingdom. It's about his. So he says, I rejoice. I am so excited that God is doing what he is doing. What are the characteristics of a godly attitude? Well, first of all, focusing on Christ's glory. Secondly, anticipating Christ's presence. And thirdly, rejoicing in Christ's relationship. What a time it will be one day when our Savior comes back. We will enjoy giving him glory as we worship him and cast our crowns at his feet. We will not have to anticipate his presence any longer because we will be in the full, unveiled, manifest presence of God for all eternity. And we'll be able to rejoice that we are with him. What about you here today? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you begun a relationship with him? I want you to know you need to surrender your heart to him and ask for his forgiveness, the gift of salvation that Jesus purchased for you on the cross. He died for your sins so that you could be forgiven and he rose again. The relationship is there for the asking. If you'll ask in faith. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, have you been anticipating his presence in your life? Have you been delighting in him? Have you been rejoicing as people grow closer to him? Is the delight of your heart and the motivation of your ministry what you get out of it or is it what happens for the furtherance of God's kingdom and reaching people for Jesus? If, if your attitude is not in the right place, I'm just going to ask you to come to this altar and say and confess that to God and say, Lord, change my attitude. Help me to anticipate your presence. Help me to seek your glory. And help me to delight in a relationship with you. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you will have your way in this time of invitation. Lord, I, I pray that people would do the things that you're asking them to do.